Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In this Griff-centric episode of the Backdoor Cut, the Barnburner Professor and residential Boston sports guy Matt Burnham and World Series champion talk a manner of Grizz things, including but not limited to the games that the Grizz win they probably shouldn't have and losing the ones that they also shouldn't have. Omri's goofy-ass shot. What do we think is going on with Kyle Anderson? Slow-mo may not be used right. And should the Grizz pursue another big as well as Dylan Brooks' potential sophomore slump? So get ready for this Grizz-centric episode of the Backdoor Cut. But first, let's talk Blue Note Bourbon, the Barnburner sponsor. Blue Note Bourbon is a locally distilled in Memphis, artfully crafted small batch bourbon that is delicious. It's smooth. And if you have one, two sips, you might think that Omri Caspi's shot looks reasonable. So check out Blue Note Bourbon. Be noteworthy, Memphis. And now here's another episode of the Backdoor Cut. Uh. Welcome to another edition of the Backdoor Cut Podcast. I am Barnburner Bro, and I'm here with Matt Burnham, a new contributor to the Barnburner. And we're going to be doing a little rundown on some Grizzlies action now that the season uh, has started up. We're a couple weeks in now. And before I get started, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Blue Note Bourbon. Uh, this bourbon's artfully crafted in Memphis, Tennessee. I've got some right here with me as we do this podcast. It's beautiful. It's smooth. Go to your nearest liquor store and pick up some Blue Note bourbon. Also, uh, if you could, go check us out on Twitter at the underscore barnburner.com. We'll be posting a lot during basketball games, keeping you up to speed on any Grizzlies uh, coverage that we're doing, Tigers coverage, and all that good stuff. Also, head on over to Facebook, The Barn Burner, and like our page. Uh, you'll also be able to get involved with us there. Give you a little uh, preview of what we kind of have going on, on the website right now. Uh, now uh, that the season has started, we're doing game previews uh, for the week. So you'll get a full week's worth of content to talk around the water cooler with your buddies. You already have the heads up on who's playing, who's not playing, who's doing well on what teams. Make you look smart around the office. Uh, also, this year, we're committed to doing game-by-game recaps. So, so far, we're five for five on getting those up. Uh, some analysis, some quick snapshots, just different thoughts on what we have on the game. Also, there's a written version of this Backdoor Cut podcast as well, where Matt and also fellow contributor Zach Thompson have 
um, written down their answers <laughs> and check that out online as well. So without further ado, I'd kind of like to introduce Matt Burnham, a new guy who's going to be helping us out this year. Hey, Matt, how you doing? What's up, Zach? What's up, y'all? So my name is Matt Burnham. I'm a new contributor here to the Barn Burner. Um, so my story is I come all the way from Boston, and you might be wondering why. So I started school here at the University of Memphis because I just wanted to get away from home, you know, try something new, do something that not many people from my area are doing. So out of all the places I chose or, or that I could have chose from, I landed on Memphis, Tennessee. And it might be random, but I'm very happy with my decision and it's going good so far. Um, I'm a journalism major. Sports journalism is what I want to do when I leave school. And so I got introduced to the Barn Burner website by fellow contributor Zach Thompson. That's basically what I do. Also, I contribute to a few SBNation.com pages. Welcome to Loud City, which is for the Oklahoma City Thunder basketball team. Uh, Bolts from the Blue, which is the Los Angeles Chargers football team. And Battle Red Blog, which is the Houston Texans football team. So obviously, with those three SB Nation pages and the Barn Burner, I have a lot to do, but I'm enjoying all of it. I'm enjoying doing doing my work, and you know I'm just excited to get this thing started. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I uh, a lot of us are jealous. Uh, you know, in Memphis, we don't have any major championships that we've won. And I saw a graphic. I actually retweeted it from the site account that if you were born in like 2003 or something like that, then you've seen like 15 championships in Boston sports or something crazy like that. Yeah, like you got four Patriots and four Red Sox. I don't know. It was nuts. Yeah, it it is pretty crazy. But, um, you know, I will say this and you're probably going to look at me in shock. But uh, even though I'm from Boston and have lived in the area for all my life until two months ago, I am a big New York Yankees fan. Ooh, okay. Watching what happened last night in L.A., that was sort of painful for me. Listen, I can appreciate greatness. I can understand that the Red Sox were a great team, but watching them win and knowing that my pinstripes have been at home for the last three weeks, it was not not an easy thing to deal with, especially when all my friends and family are all Red Sox fans. So I have them all texting me, calling me, giving me crap for it. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've, it's been like this for over, over 15 years, so I'm used to it by now. But you know, I'm just hoping that next year my team can take the crown and if it means being a pariah in the city of Boston, then I'll do it. I'll do it. So does that make you like the black sheep at everything? Like everywhere you go at high school things and family events? Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Especially when baseball comes up in the conversation. So I guess one time I was at Fenway park when I was eight years old with my dad and I was wearing my Yankees hat. I don't even remember. I don't remember this, but I guess some drunk Red Sox fan came up to me and threatened to fight me. And I was eight years old wearing a Yankees hat in Fenway. I, don't, I do not remember this whatsoever. But my dad insists that it happened. And I, I don't... I believe it. I mean, those Boston fans are very vicious. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Because when it comes to the Patriots, I don't threaten to fight children. But I definitely, you know, get very rowdy with it. So I... I 
I understand the the passion that comes with Boston sports fans, regardless if it gets a little too crazy, but you know. <laughs> yeah, you guys definitely have some winning pedigree up there, and that's something we're trying to establish here in Memphis, but uh, we understand it takes a, a long time, especially when you trade away uh, draft picks for you know garbage players, but that's a whole nother, uh, whole nother story. Hey, Rome wasn't built in one day. <laughs> Definitely not. All right, so this, uh, we kind of built our template today around some questions submitted from one of our Twitter followers, TJ from Twitter. So um, this will, a lot of this will be in print also, but uh, kind of a unique set of questions, not necessarily uh, a game-by-game hash out, but uh, this one, the first question is, so the Grizzlies won uh, one of the games they probably shouldn't have and lost one that, uh, let's see, they won one they should not have, lost one that they should have won. So the one they won last week um, that they were not projected to win, they were probably, I think, 10.5-point dogs in Utah um, was against the Jazz, which that game was – I thought that was a pretty entertaining game. That was really harkened to the style of play that J.B. Bickerstaff's kind of promised us all year and with the roster that has been assembled – so I was pretty impressed. It felt like the old Grizzlies, anytime that both teams score under 100, that that's kind of the game that we I feel like we have a really good chance in. Because you look at our roster, and if you're trying to score 120 points, I have no idea where those 120 points would come from. So um, you definitely, the defense is something that has to help out there. So what did you think about that win in Utah? Were you able to watch that one? Yeah, that game, uh, it really shocked me. Um, Utah, it's one of the biggest home court advantages in the league. People don't realize that because they're not a big market. It's not like they're going into Los Angeles or Boston or New York where, you know, there's just, you know, millions of fans in the city and the big media market. But Utah, Salt Lake City, those fans, you know, that's a tough place to go in and win, especially for a team like that who I've seen projections from pr- plenty of different sources, you know, ESPN or whatever it is, that have them pretty high ranked in the West. Like, they could be like a two seed, a three seed. They'll definitely be somewhere in the top five. So, I mean, to walk in there and to take a victory like that over a very good young team that's very well coached by Quinn Snyder, that's impressive. That's one that, you know, regardless of how it happens, you really got to take that and be proud of it. What's the – is that an elevated – I assume that is. It's probably a dumb question because there's mountains and everything. But how high is that elevated? Like I know Denver is obviously a mile, but let's see. Uh, four th- it's 4,000 feet. So that's dang near a mile. I know I was in Denver about a month ago, and that was – I mean, it hit me, and I was there for three days. So I totally, I, I totally understand why teams have a problem playing in those elevated cities. It's so weird. Yeah, there's um... – their pressure is so different. I mean, I, I've never been, so I can't speak to it. But I, what's how elevated is Memphis? Obviously, it's oh, not it's, mountains or anything, but like it's like up? sea level. It's like directly. I think it's directly sea level, or might even be a little below. Yeah, it's three hundred feet above sea level, so it's like <laughs> it's really flat. Yeah, and uh, as that, that's just crazy to me to think about, like a city being like a mile high. That's an unrealistic concept but maybe one day i'll go and see what it's like uh (laughs) 
Yeah, you I'm definitely like, should check it out out there. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I know. I know people like 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 go snowboarding that area a lot. Who say they love it, but we're getting off topic now. Nah, you're good. It's uh, yeah. all good. Um, and then of course they turned right around and lost the freaking Kings. So they, you know, we're supposed to supposed to get you know beat by double digits in Utah, and then we're favored on the road. I think it was two or three point favorites in Sacramento. And things looked pretty good in the first half and then just kind of fell apart in the second half. And Sacramento is just – I feel like they should be a better team than they are just based on some of the young talent with having Darren Fox and Buddy Heald. And under Willie Cauley-Stein's an enigma to me because, like, he, I feel like he's always underachieving. Like he's right there where he could be a, a good impact player, but he never quite reaches that potential. Yeah, and don't forget about uh, rookie Marvin Bagley, too. Yeah, yeah. You got Bags out there. Uh, I know there was a lot of Grizzlies Twitter and Kings Twitter was blowing up before the game. Uh, of course, all the Grizzlies fans were all hype on Jaron. So trying to talk smack to Sacramento saying that you guys you know, should have picked Jaron and you're going to be regretting that and everything. But I think it's too little too early to tell. But I think my take on that is that for what Memphis needed, Jaron Jackson is probably the right guy for his skill set that he has and brings to the table. Just someone that we ha- he has a skill set that's unique and is not something that we've experienced necessarily here. I, so tot- I, I totally agree with that. I think Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J, you know, he's got the length, he's got the athleticism, he can handle the ball a little bit, he can play some defense, he can shoot it. I mean, I don't think there's any one thing that he's necessarily elite at or at least not yet but it's just like uh, he's a he's very well-rounded he's good in a bunch of different things yeah definitely and he's just as good as you know Aiton and Bagley around the rim yeah I think he has his touch around the rim was what's really impressed me and his left-handed ability just he's comfortable going either direction and just has such like when he gets around the rim I'm curious to see what percentage of the shots that he makes i know Aiden destroyed us the other night um from around the rim he was like 11 to 12 or something like that but uh jaron can do that exact same thing he's not quite built the same as Aiden. he's a little slimmer but he still has the incredible wingspan and everything to be able to do that yeah i know he's a he's a freakish athlete and he's a you know just so talented and you know it's Memphis fans really do have something to be excited about for the next, you know, if he stays, hopefully he will, for the next 10, 12, 15 years, whatever it is. How old is he? Is he even, like, 20 yet? No, I think he's 19 still. He is the youngest, I'm pretty sure he's the youngest guy drafted this year. Yeah, so he's, he's still a child, and, you know, he's already impressing us a lot through five games. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I get real excited thinking about him playing for us for a while. Uh, to transition to someone who is not as smooth necessarily. So I, I haven't watched a lot of Omri Caspi in his career just because of some of the teams that he's been on, you know, being out in the West coast, don't necessarily stay up and watch all those games. Those that know me know I'm definitely not staying up. I barely stay up to watch the Grizzlies. So I'm definitely not staying up to watch someone else play. Uh, but I saw some of his shots from three. What do you think of those? I think his form is fascinating to me. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, kind of at a loss for words to it. It's like, I don't know who taught him that. I don't know where he learned it. 
but just the way he shoots it. To to me, it reminds me of like little kids. You know, they you do your practice, you you run your drills at the beginning, then you do a scrimmage, then you are just like waiting for your parents to come pick you up, and you're shooting like shots from half court. And you're like so small that you, you know, you can barely get it there. So you're just using all your might. That's what his shots remind me of, like his three-point shots. They just like come from his knees and look like he's putting so much effort into it. Yeah, and it almost looks like he's not really focused on the form or anything. All he's thinking is, I have the ball, just throw it into the hoop yeah. by, any, by any means necessary. Not going to worry, worry about angles of my arms or, you know, the, the lift from my jump or whatever it is, just throw the ball in the hoop. Yeah, I think throw is probably the correct term there. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so a couple guys that we haven't seen much of this year, one of them that we, we saw a ton of last year by necessity, not necessarily by choice. Uh, and So Andrew Harrison and Ivan Rabb, we finally got to see them uh, Saturday night, actually, when Phoenix was in town. Rabb played a little bit in the first half, and I got real excited because that – I, I saw Rab play a couple times uh, early last year in uh, South Haven uh, when he was with, playing with the Hustle on some of his assignments, and I thought he looked – he was definitely better than the players that he was playing against. He's got a good build, and I think he can really grow into that, and I'm pretty sure he could be a pretty decent backup uh, front court guy because he's, he's a good rebounder, got a good knack for getting the ball, he has a pretty good shot from like the free throw line jumper, which is an excellent shot for, you know, four or five to be able to hit. And so he, he got in early on, on Saturday against Phoenix, but then kind of just disappeared again. And then I don't think he played again until garbage time. And that's when Harrison made his first appearance. So that, that I'm still kind of confused as to why Shelvin is pre- is solely getting the backup point guard minutes. Cause I definitely assumed that, Andy Harrison would get at least some of the backup point guard minutes considering, you know, the last few years he's been, he has had to play a lot of those minutes. So uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I found it kind of interesting too. Um, I look at the box score right now for the game against Phoenix the other night and Harrison only got five minutes and Rabble only got 11. And to add on to your point about how Harrison had to pick up a lot of those minutes after the last couple of seasons, I'm wondering why he's not getting this playing time while he's not seeing the court or getting these touches. I mean, they're both young talent and I'd like to see, you know, what they can do if we give them more touches. I mean, what do we have to lose by letting them, you know? Yeah. It's it's thought, especially in a game like Saturday where we, we just controlled the whole game. We're clearly a better team than Phoenix. Their best player is a guard. He's not playing and Devin Booker, you know he's out with a hamstring injury so i thought that would have been a really good time to kind of see if harrison still if he's improved any from last year cuz he he did have several you know solid games last year and he's a plus defender so i really like i'd like to see him out there a little bit more i haven't given up on harrison even though you know shelvin mack is getting tons and tons of minutes but i don't know if he can keep that up he's a little older so at maybe at some point this season the pendulum will kind of swing and we'll get a taste of harrison to see if he's either like if he's someone we should stick with long term or if we should just say well this is not going to work out so make a move you know i'm right. just like being in purgatory i don't understand that piece 
Right, and not not just that, but we want to find out like where they stand in the NBA. Like, are these guys solid starters? Are these guys we can keep on the team for long term, or are these you know just typical bench rotational role players? I mean, we want to find out what value they can really bring to our team. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see some more of those guys uh, in the upcoming games, and then this week really could be uh, a week that you know we might. I don't want to say it, but we're playing a couple teams that are struggling right now. So hopefully we'll get to see some opportunity for those guys, especially with some of the injuries that we have going on. And we'll kind of touch on the, the games we have coming up uh, towards the end of, end of the show. So based on um, so Kyle Anderson, you know, he was the big, um, like big free agent signing this summer. You know, he's on $8 million a year. Um, and, I was pretty excited about it because he was touted as being this kind of five tool player, being able to, you know, play good defense, deceptively good defense, create some on offense, really good passer. And I'm just kind of confused as to what he's doing right now. Cause every time he's out there, he does, he just kind of looks a little, a little lost. And it's not that we're playing fast because we're definitely, our pace is not fast. Uh, by league standards so i don't what are your thoughts on kyle anderson so far um i guess i would i would honestly agree with you in a way it sort of looks like you know when we put our five guys on the court we have four guys on the court and then we just have one guy in anderson who's just like he's there to just fill in that fifth spot sometimes you know what i mean mm-hmm. like he's just kind of there just so we have that full five i mean i'm i would like to see him get some more touches because I think that would get him more engaged in the game and probably more into it, get him into a rhythm and, you know, really utilize the guy that they spent 8 million a year for. Yeah. Cause right now he's literally averaging less than four points a game in 22 minutes a game. So, and to put that in perspective, someone like uh, Shelvin Mack is playing 23 minutes. So pretty comparable is getting, near eight points a game so his you know his contribution at least offensively is has not been super impressive compared to what i was kind of expecting out of him but maybe it's just the the new system but uh to me personally i would kind of like to see some more dylan brooks because i think he's a guy that obviously he played a lot of minutes last year and, and was pretty much the sole bright spot on the team. Uh, once, once we shut down Tyreek or he shut himself down or disappeared or whatever actually happened with that. Um, and Dylan has also really struggled to kind of find himself. He's not getting quite as many minutes as Anderson. I think he's about at 17, but I would really like to see Dylan out there cause he's, he's younger and he's more, He's more athletic, I think, than Anderson. I don't think anyone would uh, say Anderson's a plus athlete necessarily, but Dylan certainly seems to be one. And I'd kind of like to see Dylan get rolling because I think we have a couple other guys that are starting to score and get into the rhythm of things. But I'm honestly shocked that, that Brooks hasn't played much this year. And I think even the first few games, he, he barely played at all. And he's just now starting to kind of get back into the rotation. So I'm, that's kind of my feel on that is that I would, until Anderson does something, at least I know that Dylan has played with these guys and 
you know, knows the system and everything. I'd like to see him get in there and get some more minutes. Right, and I I think he's the guy who can really bring a spark to the team when he's on the court. He can really provide that quickness, that athleticism, that energy that the other guys on the court with him can feed off of. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a good point too. He he plays with a lot of emotion, uh, and he's kind of a, and he's a savvy player because he he played three years in college, so he came into the league a little bit older, um, and he, you know he kind of knows how to get under guys' skin. Like uh, last year versus uh, the Knicks with Courtney Lee, got Courtney Lee to get teed up at the end of the game, which ultimately cost the Knicks that game because we got free throws at the end of it. So he he's a savvy player. And I think that uh, I'd have to assume that the guys, you know, enjoy, you know, working with him and that he's a good, good guy to have out there, at least from what we've seen. And he kind of, to me, he earned his stripes and earned his playing time last year by kind of being a lone bright spot and suffering through that miserable year that we had um, in pursuit of Jaron Jackson. That's how I kind of think of last year. Yeah, that's the, that is the only bright spot we can think to last year. If that didn't happen, then no triple J. No, then where would we be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think Dylan Brooks, you know, he, he plays his heart and guts out on the court. You know, he's gritty, like the Memphis basketball. That's what it's all about. I think Brooks is really good for that because he kind of embodies that. And because, you know, of his, like I said, his quickness, his athleticism, that not many guys on this roster have compared to other teams, I should say. Yeah, that yeah, that's definitely we're a little a little more towards the aging side than a lot of the rosters that hope to be competitive for sure. Right. It's, this team it's not built on, you know, crazy talent as much as it is just guys who are like fundamentally sound, who are have, have high, like high basketball IQs, who know where to be, who know what plays to make and who know who can like understand offensive schemes and defensive schemes. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. That's our, that's really the only hope that we have based on the personnel that are on the roster currently. So we got Jamichael green out. He's been out what a week now. So he's got another three weeks out and seeing as how Memphis has really struggled on the boards, especially in his absence. Do you think that, the Grizzlies should kind of pursue another big to fill in while he's out or what are your takes on that? So my take on that is listen, if there's a big man available that can help out, then no, you will never say no to taking him. You'll never say no to a a big body who you can put in there and help out. But the way I see it, I, I think our bigs for now, at least until Green comes back, I think they're solid enough to get by. And if there were someone available that we could get, I'd personally rather just have a shooter for this team or a couple shooters for this team rather than a big body. But then again, like I said, that's not that's not to say that if one is available, then we shouldn't take them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we... And man, in Memphis, we've been wanting a shooter for like six years. Somehow you you think we would have one, but it, it that's what Chandler was supposed to be our knockdown, drill down three point shooter, and that didn't happen. No, that 
that but, didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, especially in the league now, you definitely need someone who can shoot. Mike Conley, to his credit, has become you know he he's become our best three point shooter over the past five years or so. He's really stepped it up and focused on that, and he's one of the few guys on the roster that when he gets the ball and he decides to pull it, I'm like, okay, you know, I have a pretty good feeling about that going in. Right, especially when he gets hot, when he gets into the rhythm of things, it's just swish, swish, swish. Oddly enough, not last year, but the year before, when Mark started shooting a ton of threes, he was the guy that I felt that with. I was like, oh, Mark's shooting, which is probably not good when your seven-footer is the one that you're confident about shooting threes. That probably really stems to the root of this problem that we have of not having enough available shooters. Well, yeah, like especially in today's league, thanks a lot, Warriors. Yeah, just definitely. With the whole league that's based upon three-point shooting and spacing the floor and having guys who can knock it down from the perimeter, that is kind of been the thing that held the Grizzlies back during their playoff runs over the years. That they just they didn't they didn't have that one guy who you could hand the ball to and say, "All right, just take the game over. Just get your jump shot going. Just take it over. We got to keep up with this other team. We got to keep up with the Warriors. We got to keep up with uh, the Thunder. We got to keep up with." No, whoever we're playing. Yeah, especially when back in the days with uh, with TA, when everyone, the pop would just sag the paint knowing that there was no way he was hitting that outside shot. Uh, but so a lot of people, Grizz Twitter today was kind of blowing up about a bunch of Zebo talk. So um, I, I talked a little bit last week with Sacktown Royalties, uh, Kevin Fippen, and he said that I asked him about Zebo. And because he is currently on the Kings roster and he's listed as the mo- the highest paid player on their roster. But he said that no one has literally seen him. He doesn't, he doesn't dress out for anything. Doesn't show up to anything. He has made no appearances this year. So really he's been pretty MIA until last night when he was on uh, James Wiseman, he and uh, Zebo and Moneybag Yo went to James Wiseman's house uh, for those who might not know college ball, he uh, James Wiseman's the number one high school recruit. Uh, Penny Hardaway, coach of the Memphis Tigers, is really going after him, kind of head-to-head with John Calipari from the University of Kentucky. But uh, Zebo and Moneybag Yo, who's a, a local rapper, were uh, went over to James Wiseman's house to likely you know, kind of try to swing him one way or another in his recruitment because uh, he made his official visit to Memphis this weekend. So people saw that. Zebo was brought back to their mind because Zebo is one of the founders of the Core Four. You know, he's a real – he was there when Grit and Grind started. He really embodies, embodies that. And I'm actually writing a piece right now on the Grizzlies Hall of Fame. Uh, who would be in that if that if such, a, such an award or prestige existed? And Zebo is who I'm working on right now. And – really has put, put you in the feels kind of reading through some of his way he got, you know, from his childhood through Portland, through LA to Memphis kind of really makes you feel connected to him. And definitely the city of Memphis feels connected to him for his time here. And ever since he's left people, all people have been talking about is like, let's get Zebo back. Let's get Zebo back. Oh, let's get Tony Allen back. Let's get him back. You know, and, um, so a lot of people, their suggestion was to get Zebo uh, or see if there's any way that uh, or any plans for the Kings, you know, if they're going to cut him since he's clearly not 
participating with that team if Memphis should attempt to pick him up, especially now with uh, Jamichael out and indefinitely three weeks, two months, whatever it could be. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I didn't know about that thing that he did last night, going to James Wiseman's house with money bag. Yo, that kind of shocks me. What that kind of tells me is uh, even though he's with the Sacramento Kings, he's still doing things in Memphis. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if he's still that connected to the city and he's hanging out around here, then I'm, I'm all for bringing him back. Obviously, he's not going to be the same Zebo of old from, you know, around the time we were going to the Western Conference Finals. He's not going to have that same type of impact. But what he does bring, he brings veteran leadership. He brings big game experience. Two things that you really want for a team that has a lot of young talent, like Jay, like Jaron Jackson Jr., Brooks, Rab, all those guys. I mean... Randolph kind of brings that, like, if he, when he walks into the room, all the guys that respect him, they revere him. They listen to what he has to say. They follow his example. Yeah, I definitely, I think, I think I'd be open to it as long as Rab can get minutes. I really, I'm team Rab for whatever reason. It may not be logical, and he hasn't necessarily done that much with the time that he's been given, but he's still a pretty young player. And I think that he really could be, I mean, when I look at Jermichael Green, there's nothing that he does that I don't think, oh, Rab could do that, you know, for much less money and he's younger. And I, that's just a guy that I really would like to see step up over this time period with Jermichael out. So we'll see kind of how that plays out. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. So Randolph really hasn't shown up to like any of the Kings anything. Supposedly not. Yeah, he's in like totally MIA. Like, I mean, I I don't know how you do that and still get paid. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you're you're allowed to do that, nor how the, how the Kings haven't done anything about this yet. Like, hey, dude, where are you? Get over here. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by that situation. I'd kind of like to know behind the scenes, like how that's even possible, and who's like, ah, I'm just not. I'm not gonna come out. I don't want to play for you guys anymore. You guys are. You're not really interested in winning. I'm just trying to collect a check or if they're like, hey, we're not going to use you because we have 15 other big men. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe he just wants to find some better way to spend the, the last few years he has in the league. And he's like, eh, Sacramento, <laughs> not for me. No, nah, he needs to get on and do like a – like some of those guys and just kind of maybe he can latch on to a contender who just needs a little bit of a push. Not by contender, I mean like someone who will just at least make the playoffs, I guess. Right. Yeah. There's, no, there's not really any real contenders. Yeah. I don't see him going to Golden State or anything. No. But no, you you're you're right. Just um some playoff team or borderline playoff team that's young and you know, needs a, a nice veteran presence. I'm trying to think of a team. Oh, you could go to L.A., I bet. They need some help down yeah. low. <laughs> no, that, that, really that, that really would work. Um, maybe a team like... Oh, man, I'm stuck in my thoughts right now. I can't even think of one off the top of my head. But, you know, but you get the point. Just a, t- a young, young, talented team that can go to the playoffs that needs some veteran leadership with big game experience. Yeah, because the good thing about his game is it doesn't really age because he didn't really do much 
above, you know, half an inch off the ground. So his joints got to be in good shape. Yeah, it's he's not, not like flying this, around anywhere. Exactly, it's not, not not like this guy is putting so much wear and tear on his knees, or he's going to lose the ability to barely get off the ground. Yeah, at least I wouldn't think. Yeah, it's not not it's not a game based on athleticism or speed or you know just being a, the ultimate highlight reel. Yep. No. All right. So we'll uh, kind of pre peek head to this week. So we, Grizzlies have three games scheduled this week. Uh, Wizards on we play at home versus the Wizards on Tuesday. Um, Friday we play at Utah again. So we that's we played at Utah last week, and then we're already back there again this week. And then Sunday we finish up. At Phoenix, so two of the three games we've we're, we have scheduled this week are against teams that we've already played and actually already beat. So I think that kind of bodes well for us. And the Wizards are apparently a dumpster fire right now. I don't know if you've been keeping up with them at all, but they've <laughs> only won one game so far, which is pretty surprising because I feel like their team is pretty much the same as it has been the past few years I don't know what the big difference is you know how sometimes um like analysts or commentators will talk about teams in the NBA NFL whatever it is and they'll say the sum of the team is less than the sum of some of its parts Uh basically referring to like an underachiever well, no team embodies that more than the Washington Wizards. I mean, look at their starting lineup. You have John Wall, who's one of the best passers in the league, arguably top five point guard. Bradley Beal, who's an all-star player, who's arguably top five at his position. Otto Porter, don't get me started on that ridiculous contract. I don't know why they gave it to him. But he, he's a pretty good shooter. He's a pretty good defender. Um, I know they don't have Dwight Howard yet. But, you know, basically my point is that they have this talent and, like you said, are a dumpster fire. They are not just losing, but they are getting blown out by teams that they should not get blown out by. I think they just lost by, like, 30 points to the Kings the other night. Or was it the Clippers? I think they they lost to both, but I think, yeah, it was the Clippers that they lost to by 32. Gosh. they are a total dumpster fire, and they should break up that backcourt of John Wall and Bradley Beal. But yeah, I feel like I mean that has to be some valuable trade pieces there because those are both you know all star caliber players, but clearly they can't get the job done. Right, and it's been like four years in a row, five years in a row of going to the, the first or second round of the playoffs and getting bounced. I mean, how many times are you going to keep trying the same thing only to have it not work? Yeah, definitely. And but, the, um, the thing about the Washington to me is that it, it's definitely not a team to sleep on for us. So Washington still plays really fast, even though they haven't been successful. They're playing at the third fastest pace in the league. And obviously Memphis is playing kind of – they're definitely playing slow. So that if Washington's able to control the tempo and Wall or Beal gets hot, you know, it definitely could it could go sideways really quickly if Memphis doesn't focus and kind of take take care of business in that game. Right, they need to control the tempo of the game because John Wall is going to be the fastest guy on the court because he's like a cheetah <laughs> with the ball. But so if the if the Grizzlies can slow the game down 
and played at their pace. You're taking the strengths away from Wallen Beal, who thrive in transition and thrive in, you know, just outrunning their opponents. Yeah, so that that one's that one I think will be really interesting and you'll kinda get a feel really early on what's gonna happen there. So I'm I'm kind of nervous about that one. I'm not. I'm not super confident. Yeah, it's like a game that they very much could win because the Wizards are one in five. But at the, at the same time, the the Wizards have the talent to you know pour it on us. But just like they can for any team. Yep. Yeah. That'll be that'll be a tough one. So hopefully we can drag them down into the mud like we did last time at Utah. Maybe Scotty. Maybe Scotty Brooks will be fired if we beat them. Man, it, it kind of sounds like that's the way everyone's going. That would be uh, – I'm pretty sure those talks would be up in the air. I don't think he was uh, necessarily a hot seat candidate at the beginning of the year, but it would definitely appear that he is now. Yeah, but, yeah it would be nice to say that, hey, the Grizzlies were the ones that got Brooks out of Washington. But. <laughs> and then Friday we go, uh, as I mentioned, back to Utah. So I'm expecting them to be pretty pissed off about having lost to us. Uh, last week in the game that they probably, you know, they probably feel like they shouldn't have. I mean, because Ingles, who's an incredible three point shooter the past few seasons, he shot one out of one from seven from deep against us. And there's no way he does that again. He's probably going to hit like five or six at least. He's just, I feel like he's going to come out gunning for us and really cause some issues. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. I think Utah probably circle this game on their calendar after what happened last week. Um, I got to think that, like you said, the Ingles won't be shooting as cold. I also got to think that Donovan Mitchell, it looks like he's starting to find his rhythm a little more, and he's looking more like the player from last year, even though we got off to a slow start this year. So I think it'll be close either way. I think it'll be a game that kind of comes down to the last, you know, few minutes, last quarter. But that's going to be a tough one. Um, if we lose, then so be it. Utah's a good team. We just got them last week, so we can still pat ourselves on the back. But if we win, that's going to tell us a lot about this Grizzlies team going forward, showing us the type of grit and gut that they have. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely a good point. And it looks like yesterday, as of yesterday, Derek Favors, one of their big men, went on. Uh, he he had a knee injury, so he's de- he's listed as day to day. So if he's not able to play, that obviously makes them have to go deeper into their bench. Favors averages nine point seven rebounds uh, right now, so he's kind of the ancillary front court player with Rudy Gobert. And then we finish up. <coughs> excuse me. Finish up the week at Phoenix this time. Last week we played them at home and next week we'll be on their court. So Devin Booker has been out over a week with that hamstring injury. And so he's still kind of day to day. So we could see him. We could not see him. And last year they definitely held him out in games where he was questionable. So I don't, it depends who you talk to as to if they are still trying to lose games and get more draft picks or if they're trying to win and start to kind of climb out of that hole that they've been in for the past like 10 years or something like that. Yeah. It's kind of tough to say. So what they are, you know, aside from Trevor Reza 
and Ryan Anderson. It's just a bunch of really, really young guys. I mean, I got to give it to the Phoenix Suns. Over the last few years, it looks like they've drafted a lot of nice talent. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know if it's necessarily that they're trying to lose, but I'm not sure they're trying to win, if that makes sense. I think they're sort of just trying to figure out who fits where, what lineup works the best, who's worthy going forward, who's not going to be that guy. Like, you know what I mean? Who on this roster is expendable? What young guys are we going to keep? I think they're more so just trying to figure out who they are as a basketball team going forward. Because, I mean, obviously every team wants to win, but you got to be realistic too. And I think Phoenix knows deep down, even if they won't admit it, that they're not going to do anything special this season whatsoever. Yeah, it's kind of hard when you're paying Ryan Anderson like uh, twenty million dollars. You know, in any team that's got that kind of dead weight on their roster, um, it's probably not going to do too much. I don't think. Right. I, I think. I think this season's more about just you know uh, getting Devin Booker when he comes back healthy to get up to that next tier because he's sort of like a borderline star. He's like you know he has all the talent but he's not quite at that level yet as like the other elite shooting guys. And then it's also about just DeAndre Ayton. We got the number one pick of the draft, the guy who many people are high on. So let's just showcase him for the whole year with Devin Booker and we'll get our fans excited as we go forward. Yeah. I think, you know, Ayton's even referenced him as the Shaq and Penny 2.0, which I Ayton, he is actually is, he's, he's fascinating. The game Saturday was a lot of fun. Just he quietly, you know, put up some really good numbers. Mark still bested him several times. And I felt like was the better player and more complete player in that matchup in that particular game. But Aiton, the way he's getting the ball around the rim, he's shooting 91% at the rim and he's getting half his shots there. So I know a lot of people questioned his jump shot ability uh, from his time at Arizona, but he really has not had to take any. So we will, right now, we have no idea if he can shoot because he is just not shooting. He hasn't attempted a single three pointer yet. So uh, he, his game is clearly near the rim, but he's averaging double double right now, uh, 17 and 10. So he's definitely living up to the expectations so far, which has been pretty cool, I think. I think the good thing about the, even the sorry teams this year is that they have with the strong draft draft class that we had last year, they still have potential superstars on their roster. So that just making, makes the NBA so much more fun. Right. This year. Right. It's like, even though they're teams that aren't going to win anything at all this year, the fans still have a reason to just be excited. And they still have a reason to buy tickets and show up to the arenas to watch games. Cause they have, they have these young potential superstars going. So I agree with you on that. It is really good for the NBA yeah, and then so we mentioned Devin Booker. He's day to day, so you know that's a whole. It's almost a week away, so it'll be a while before we find out. Uh, and recently, Isaiah Kanan also went day to day with an ankle injury, so he's their starting point guard. And if he goes out, then they really could be thrown into you know they really could be thrown into a mess if they're down their whole almost their whole backcourt. So. I kind of pity the Suns right now. Uh, hopefully, I, I mean, I'm hoping that we get to see some of these guys play because that's half the fun. Uh, right. anyway, and I want you know I want to see our guys get challenged and kind of see where we stand because you know if we're not gonna, I want to know do we have a team that can compete in the playoffs 
or and make it to the playoffs, you know, picking up a bunch of cheap wins and then getting blown out against any good team, that's not much fun either. Exactly. You want to, even if we don't necessarily beat other good teams, if we can go into these games and make it competitive and make it hard for these other teams to get the win, that will still tell us something going forward. I mean, obviously, yeah, you want the wins. Of course you're for the wins, but, you know, you don't want to walk into Utah in a few, in a few days and lose by 30. You know what I mean? You yeah. want to, even if you lose, you want to make these games competitive and still show the Grizzlies fans something. Any parting thoughts, Matt, before we wrap up? Well, back to what you said about how you're writing the piece about the Grizzlies Hall of Fame. Um, Z- Zebo is definitely going to get his jersey retired. So is Tony Allen. So is Marcus Gasol. So is Mike Conley. And so is Jaron Jackson Jr. in 20 years. Yeah, I'm, like <laughs> I'm okay with that. I, I hope that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we we got a lot to be excited about this year. I mean, 3-2 and two with a win over the Jazz in their place. I mean, what more can you ask for five games going in? No, and I think the way that a lot of stuff is not panning out how you would have pictured, you know, Houston is not firing on all cylinders yet. Uh, L.A. isn't. A lot of teams are struggling. So OKC. Yeah, OKC. Loud um, City is not loud right now. <laughs> they're not having as much fun as we are, I suppose. Nope. But um, that's that's the funny thing about the NBA, you know, Things happen, and good teams that you thought would be teams that you thought would be good are not as good. Or teams that you thought that would be bad, they're better than you expected. Yep, absolutely. So again, remind everyone uh, check us out on Twitter at the underscore barn burner, and online at the hyphen barnburner dot com for uh, game by game recaps, previews, analysis, podcasts fun stuff all around from all our contributors. So until next time, we will see you later. Adios, amigos. Good morning. Wake up, Mr. West, Mr. West, Mr. Fresh, Mr. By himself, he's so impressed. I mean, damn, did you even see the test? You got D's, motherfucker D's. Rosie Perez, and yes, barely passed. Any and every class, looking at every ass. Cheated on every test, I guess. This is my dissertation. Homie, this shit is basic. Welcome to graduation. Good morning. Woo!